There's a reason why it went 100 years through prohibition, you know? There's a reason why that culture has stayed intact the whole time. The people love this plant and they've pushed it through all that BS and they've, you know, made their voices heard. And that's, that's the reason why it's here today. Welcome everyone out to Utah in the Weeds. My name is Tim Pickett. I am the host of this great podcast in the great state of Utah. Today, our interview is with Riley Meyer, whose cultivation for Standard Wellness, he is in charge of the outdoor cultivation and a great story, especially if you have interest in getting involved in the cannabis industry or getting involved here in Utah. Listen to this and his struggles and the hurdles that he encountered to get involved in cannabis and learn really a fine art uh, for growing medicine here in Utah. One day, maybe, we can all get together. We can all do the gardening class and grow cannabis here in Utah for our own purposes, for medical purposes, and maybe for those uh, who we love and care about who can't afford the, the medicine currently. Housekeeping, we're celebrating this month the one-year anniversary of the Discover Marijuana YouTube channel that I do with Blake Smith and Kylie and JD and Josh. We've had a lot of great partners in this and we are giving away something every single week. So we've already given away some gifts. We're giving away more. There's instructions on how to enter through our newsletter at utahmarijuana.org. Sign up for the newsletter, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, win stuff, win swag, win medicine. Um, Exciting times, right? Coming up on my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. Always look forward to this time of year and getting together with family. Family is the best, right? Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing to Utah in the Weeds podcast. I am your host, Tim Pickett. Enjoy this conversation with Riley Meyer and have a great weekend. Okay, Riley, take Take us all the way back to the beginning of like when you first were introduced to cannabis. What made you do it? What made you get into it? You know, it's kind of been knowingly and unknowingly. I've I've been around cannabis kind of my whole life. I have family members that are very fond of the plant without <laughs> nice. without saying names because you know it's a it's sure. a very new program in Utah. And um, but yeah, it's it's been uh it's been a kind of a lifelong thing. Uh, my my parents are very holistic people. We've always had a home garden. We've always been very connected to the earth. We always, you know, try to have some sort of garden going in the backyard. Um, and then from a culture standpoint, you know, my friends, um, ever since I was probably about 16, that was my first real encounter with cannabis. And it's, you know, we, we kind of grew up in that scene, that skateboard, snowboard scene. and Right. Because um, how I'm, old are you? I'm 27. So. Okay. So it's 94. Young, young yeah. guy, right? Right. <laughs> yep. Man, all these people are just so young now. <laughs> so you grew up here in Utah? Yes. Yeah. Local. Born and raised. Salt Lake City. Definitely. Yeah. But been all over the place. I, I went to school down in Dixie. I know all about St. George. I love it down there. But yeah, I'm local for sure local so so you get introduced to cannabis right in in your teenage years like kind of all of us a little bit uh (laughs) seems like and then how'd you learn because now 
I mean, from smoking a little weed in high school to what you do now, that's a long way. Right. It's a lot different, right? So what do you do now? So what I do now, um, I am one half of the cultivation management for Standard Wellness. Um, and the other half is my good buddy, Riley Ellis. So it's the two Rileys um, up at Standard. He's he's known as Indoor Riley and I'm known as Outdoor Riley at the moment. But we kind of help manage the whole cultivation scene up there. But yeah, as as far as um, starting in my teenage years and getting to this point, um, it definitely did not start out with me wanting to cultivate this plant. It's kind of evolved as I've become more aware of the scene and, and really just fallen in love with the culture. And it's not about just, you know, smoking dope and getting high, man. It's more of like a consciousness thing. And I really just connected with the crowd of people that I would meet, you know, people like yourself and a lot of people in the industry, they're just open-minded, aware, conscious. They think about things and their impact. And that's just something that I really found love in and wanted to be a part of. Did you start, like, what was your first job in the cannabis industry? My first job was a hemp job back when the program first started. It was a part of the pilot program. I worked for a company. I helped them propagate something like 5,000 hemp plants. It was all indoor, so it was controlled. It wasn't like a field where we were just throwing seeds out there. So that really kind of showed me the side of really manicuring these plants and taking care of them and trying to get a really high quality vapable flower, if you will, out of the product instead of just going down uh, once your season's done and just chopping it all up, turning it into biomass. Because you want to do... <clears throat> Okay. Yeah. This is, this gets into like outdoor, indoor. What's the difference really other than they, you know, the plants grow outdoor. Do you grow different strains? Is the, is the like process different? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. You're kind of at the mercy of mother nature, obviously when you're outdoors. So whatever she presents to you is kind of the quality that you're going to get out of that plant. But you can you can still get really high quality flower out of outdoor just as you can indoor. It just depends on, you know, your your location. Utah, I truly believe, is an amazing place for outdoor cannabis. We obviously have a very short grow season here. So it comes down to the strains, um, cultivars that you pick because they have to be early finishers, right? If you want to beat that frost, then they have to be done before fall comes rolling in and freezes your whole crop but yeah, so an outdoor are you um i mean is it like growing tomatoes like you got to wait till the frost is, the frost risk is gone or do you do you start these plants indoor and then move them what, yeah what's so um yeah it, it all depends on how you want to go about it but uh at standard for our first year last year we we germinated early so what we did, we kind of got a late start because it kind of ended up being a little bit of a Hail Mary for us this this last season. Future seasons are going to be a lot more dialed. But this last season, we uh, propagated or germinated, I should say, in early April, somewhere in that first week of April. And they had all that time inside before we threw them outside and um, leveled them up pot size to pot size. We started in... Uh, a red solo once they were popped, a uh, red solo cup that is, to a one gallon, to a five gallon, and they ended up in big 45 gallon pots. And that first day that you can put them out is usually around May 20th, that they're good, can, the temperature is consistent enough to let them hang out overnight. 
Right. It's always like um, when you plant your home garden, you got to wait till Mother's Day Mm -hmm. and you can plant. And in Utah, that seems like that's about right, you know, mid-May. And then you're you're away from that frost risk. So so you just like you just throw a bunch of weed out in the field, all these plants, they're all they're all out there. And no what's the fence, what's the security situation like? Yeah, so we're totally we're enclosed. We uh we're dialed our security's awesome. Um so so it's like <laughs> fences, you know, the only other one I've seen, and I haven't been to your facility, but you know, there's fences up, there's like barbed wire at the top of the fence. It seems like it's pretty secure, but still, I mean, I guess somebody could break through the fence or something, but are mm-hmm. you in a pretty remote area? We won't, we won't discuss like where exactly these places are really, because yeah. even though I don't think a lot of people would go there, might as well not, might as well not tell the Right. people you know i mean almost out of respect for the neighbors right yeah right people uh, yeah. driving by trying to figure out what's going on we're definitely out in the boonies man we're um yeah uh i will say we're we're northern utah um but we're out there uh, good luck trying to find us man but um <laughs> yeah uh as far as like a concern for people breaking in i mean there's always that concern but what those people I feel like wouldn't know if they're trying to come in and, you know, clip a bud off or something. There's a whole process that goes into getting that final product off of the plant. You know, you got to cure it. You got to, you got to dry it. You got to cure it. Um, that takes a while. That's, you know, in itself, um, you two weeks drying usually in two weeks curing before it's a final product. So it's not a huge concern, but yeah, we're definitely, we're aware that that well, could potentially happen. What what strains did you grow up there? What cultivars? We, we call did a them, lot. Like you guys call them cultivars, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's... and not strains. What is there like a real difference? I haven't. I read online about this shit. It's like, um, you know, some people really get antsy about their naming. About right. Okay, right. Like my YouTube channel is Discover Marijuana, so I get that. Um, but but strains versus cultivars is there. Is, the, you, is there a difference? You know, man, there's probably a lot of people that are going to cringe when I say this, but to me, no, man. I, and I wish I could tell you all the scientific jargon of why there is a difference, but, you know, that's not a huge concern to me. To me, the, the names are the same. Cultivar, strain, it's it's all the same. But, uh, yeah, we, you we, grow? Ran, we ran, uh, like, I think it was 12 different strains. God help me on remembering these. Uh, we did a Which bunch of Which one was stuff. your favorite? Let's say my favorite was Purple Punch. It's it's a tough tie-up between Purple Punch and Cushmits. Those plants just killed it. They're great early finishers, huge buds. The aroma was crazy. I mean, you could smell us half a mile down the road. Talk about security concerns, man. You got right. people driving down the freeway smelling it. All you got to do is follow your nose if you're in the vicinity, right? But uh, yeah. it, was, it was between those two for sure, Cushmits and Purple Punch. But yeah, we had 12 of them. Yeah, it was it was uh it was an interesting run to say the least. Do you um was all of it smokable or do you feel like uh some of it half half and half? What's yeah. the what's so, the breakdown? So with us kind of getting a late jump on this, there were some strains that um aren't necessarily the earliest finishers. So um we're not gonna get a lot of smokable flour out of those strains, but most of them we did get a lot of smokable flour out of it. I think we ended up with something like uh, 300 pounds of just smokable flour. Um, the rest went to biomass, but, uh, yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of flour hitting the pharmacy shelves for sure. 
it seems like everybody's outdoor, even a, even like a lot of indoor grows kind of finished at the same time. Mm-hmm. Do you follow what everybody else is kind of doing at the time? Does that make any difference for you guys? And we're talking about Oak Bridge and um, mm-hmm. Wholesome has stuff, Zion, at Trike, right? They're all, if they have an outdoor grow, it's it's coming on at the same time because you're yeah. only getting one harvest a year, right? In Utah? Right. right. So there's a, there's, um, a term, it's called photo period plants. Um, there's a difference between there's auto flower and there's photo period plants. And there's a reason why everybody finishes up in that. They call it croptober. And that's usually the, the time of year that, um, that light cycle is changing and, and photo period gets its name is because these plants are triggered by the amount of darkness that they are exposed to. So once, once the daylight schedule flips to 12 hours of light and 12 hours of dark, that's when the plant triggers and, and flips into flower. So depending on which strain you have will determine how quick that finishes up. Now, it could be a 45 day or it could be a 55 day or it could be a 63 day or you go all the way up into, you know, 90, 100 days, depending on super indica leaning, super sativa. That's kind of, you know, but usually if you're growing outside and you know you have a quick grow season like in Utah, you're looking for those more indica dominant, quicker finishing strains. Wow. I didn't know that it was more like your sativas, but I guess it makes sense. You've got sativas come from certain spots of the world and indicas kind of come from certain other parts of the world. Is that how this all started? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sativas kind of come from more of like a equatorial range where there's super long summers that light cycle doesn't flip until late, you know, even if at all, you know, you, if you're sure. talking about somewhere like Ecuador, that never flips. So yeah, that's where sativa kind of comes from is that closer to the, the equator. And then your indicas are, you know, like your Afghanistan or fl- places with a uh, higher latitude or, or even lower below the, the yeah. equator. So do you next year, you're going to, what do you think you're going to double your production? You're going to, you know, add another 50%. Is it more about quality next year or more about both quality and, and amount quantity? It's always about quality, man. Um, always. So with this year, like I said, it was kind of a, a Hail Mary. Um, we kind of slapped it together, but it worked out really well. But yes, future plans, we plan to double um, if not a little bit more, but in Utah, we are limited to our canopy space. So we do have our indoor facility coming up. Uh, the future of standard wellness cultivation is very bright, man. We have a 48,000 square foot indoor facility that's going up totally tailored to indoor cannabis that we're just really going to be trying to churn out the most quality stuff that we can. But as, fl- as far as outdoor goes, it's really, you know, you can only set it up in the best way to combat mother nature. Uh, and, and where we're at, it gets really windy. We actually saw a fair amount of rain this season for Utah. Usually we're really dry, but we did get some weather this, this year, but, um, yeah, we do plan on doubling that canopy space and really going for a high quality product as always. Do you feel like a farmer or do you feel like a craftsman or like what do you feel like when you're growing cannabis? Because it doesn't seem like it's normal farming. Oh yeah. Right. 
you're you're I mean you're doing a lot more work to these plants, especially if you want to make them smokable or vapable. Mm-hmm. Is that there's versus biomass? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, no, you. That's a great question because you are a farmer in the sense that you're doing like serious labor. Like you, you feel like you know a man's man out there just throwing dirt around, yeah. sweating all day. But yeah, there's there's the whole kind of connoisseur side that goes into it as well. You know, there's selective defoliation. You're topping these plants to keep them at a certain height and get so many heads off, you know, like so many colas rather off of these plants. So um, you're really trying to tailor it in to get that very specific product by the end of the season. Yes. That's the difference between like growing biomass and growing like flour. Yeah, biomass is like you're cruising around with that. Uh, what are those uh, fertilizer things for the lawn that just spit out all the fertilizer? Yeah, yeah you're yeah. just cruising with those, fill it with seeds, you know, and then at the end of the season when it's done, just go chop it down like you're like you're mowing the lawn, kind of vibe. Whereas this is like, yeah, you're it's under a microscope the whole time, you know, really trying to make sure that you get the most smokable flour out of it as possible because. If you are geared towards the smokable flour, you can really work backwards from that product. All the other products kind of come from that. Whereas if you're going for biomass, you're kind of pigeonholed into what you can do with it, right? Like you can only make distillate or gummies or all that good stuff. I'm not knocking it. That's awesome stuff. But if you go for flour, you can, it just adds the amount of products that you can work with. Mm, going backwards from that because you've got the highest quality plant, the flower. I mean, I, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know a lot about the difference between, you know, vaping. Well, <laughs> that's not true. I know the difference between, you know, ditch weed and, and craft grade flower. That's I guess. good. That's good. So, and I think patients, expect especially nowadays i feel like patients expect a high quality product when they're vaping it and when you vape it you can taste it a hundred percent right a hundred percent so so the lower the quality the worse it's going to taste too Mm -hmm. and and the effects kind of be different so are you growing everything up there organic do you support how does this organic thing work yeah organic um organic and salt based that's kind of the big you know, people have their opinions on what is preferred, what makes the better product. But if you were to ask me, if you go for organic, usually you're going to get a more full experience from the plant. You're going to get more terpenes. Usually your trichome coverage is better, but you're kind of lacking on your yield and just vigor in the plant. I want to say when you're growing with salt-based nutrients, you just, you just get beasts. You just get huge plants. And with that said, we, we are salt-based mostly at the moment. We, I did do about half of our crop outside amended soil. Um, we went with the peat moss base and I added a bunch of stuff like, you know, crustacean mill, blood mill, bone mill, azomite, you know, oyster mill, all these good amendments to really just get this nice base. And then that all you need to give that is just pH water, right? Keep it at that 6.0, make sure the plant's happy. That's what they love. But then the other half, we went with a salt-based nutrient and pumped them up. And, and we really saw a big difference in size of plants as well as quality. So 
that's something that we kind of did as a little R&D, which is working better, which is worth our while, um, which direction do we want to go in. But yeah, we did a little bit of both for sure. Each strain, a little bit of both. When you're, uh, are you kind of a, you consider yourself a flower snob or like you're only a flower consumer? I don't know. How much of this do you want to talk about? You know, you being a cannabis patient. Um, yeah, all of it, man. Yeah, I, I am a patient and I do consider myself a, a cannabis, a flower snob for sure. <laughs> I'm, I do love my flower, man. I really don't go for any, anything else. Um, when I'm, when I'm looking to get my medicine, I'm always looking at the flower just because I feel it's kind of more of a all encompassing experience. You know, it's, it's, it's not like you're picking and choosing which cannabinoids or which terpenes you want in your product. You're, you're more so getting the full experience. And I also feel personally that I can kind of control my dosing a little bit better when I'm, when I'm using flour. Whereas if you're dealing with something like a, a crumble or a shatter or some solvent list, um, it's really geared towards being a more potent medicine. So you can use flour, you can use a little, you can use a lot. You really like that entourage effect for sure. Of that experience. Do you feel like lately I've been reading books about spirituality and cannabis? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that kind of fits your vibe, frankly. 100%. Yeah, for right? sure, man. This That's what whole it's all about. Idea of, um, you know, and culturally, this ganja culture of using it religiously and using it spiritually. Mm-hmm. So, kind of shifting from this medical idea to a more experience based, like, I don't know, consumption. Yeah. And you're almost using it less. Like these guys are almost yeah. using it less because they're, they want to have that fast. They want to have that few days before they use it, they consume it. And then when they have, then when it, when you have that experience, it's a little more full. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and I feel like you can only get that with the flower. I, I, I agree. You know, um, there's, that's a personal choice for sure. sure. I, I, I think a, a lot of other people, can can get there with other products for sure but with me it's definitely i i tune into that side with flour a lot more and speaking of uh you know the whole ganja side of things and you know smoking out of a chalice and um really being connected to it like one of my biggest as as many cultivators or just people in the industry out there one of my biggest idols in life was bob marley you know bunny whaler yeah. peter tosh all those guys you know so it's, it's a, it's a vibe. It carries a vibe, you know, and, uh, speaking of just consciousness and whole and being holistic and aware, it just, it kind of just is all one big lump sum. And, and that's how I view that experience for sure. Yeah. There's this whole chapter on, um, in cannabis and spirituality. I just finished the book and there was this whole chapter about growing it and about how people will get really, really high and they they go out and dig in the dirt and just have this really tactile, um, perception of the plant and that experience and that connection. Mm-hmm. And then the idea behind this, and I'm getting way off topic here, but I think it's <laughs> fascinating is the connection that people then have with the plant when they consume plants that are cared for like that 
that that's this whole chapter about, well, if you're really caring for the plants, then the plant's going to care for the people who consume them mm -hmm. even yeah. better, right? You're connected to that in a spiritual way. I think that that's like a Utah, that would be a, a solid Utah thing. Yeah, for right? sure. There's a lot of spiritual people here. Did you grow up Mormon? Um, I, you know, when I was really young, yes, my dad went on a mission and everything and, but, uh, he, he came back and we went to church there for, uh, a few years, but we kind of just faded away from the church, man. And not, not to knock anybody. I think it's an awesome religion for a lot of people, but it just didn't really fit our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we just had a lot of different views. So we just kind of faded away. My younger brothers didn't really ever go to church. I have two younger brothers that are three years younger and six years younger than me. So they never really got that experience. It kind of faded away as, as I was younger, but yeah, I, I definitely grew up in that environment. My grandparents are still to this day, very involved in the church. And yeah, I, I know all about that culture, man. And, and actually deciding to be in this industry and telling my family that I wanted to cultivate cannabis was was a big deal, man. You know, it's you go and tell your grandparents who are very LDS that you want to grow this plant and, you know, they look at you a little sideways and you got to kind of give them the facts and talk them through it. But I'm, I'm very proud to say that they're very proud of what I'm doing and they're all on board. They're actually patients themselves. So it's it's been a full 180 for them and they're they're all on board for it. It's it's beautiful. That's cool. I, I think it's hard even today. And you and I talk about cannabis all the time, you know, it's like mm -hmm. our whole life, but, um, but not everybody is like that. We really still are a small percentage of people who deal with it, um, a lot. And it's hard for people to understand it's, it is, it's kind of awkward to tell people almost. Yeah. Um, people all, always ask me what I do for work and I, I, you almost have to gauge them. I don't know. It's like I'm gauging how much I can say or how mm -hmm. to say it. Do you feel like that now? Especially like I'm in the medical field. I can kind of lean on the, well, uh, you know, I take care of patients. Right. You know? Right. You know, You're, uh, what do you, what do you say? I'm a farmer. Honestly, no, I, I'll tell them. You exactly. just tell everybody. I just tell them straight up, man. If you, if you don't agree with it, then, you know, you're not somebody that I need to be around anyway, you know, like, ah, Yes. It's, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, um, it's like I, its own filter. Right. Exactly. No, I, you know, it's like tattoos. You know, I got a tattoo yeah. on my forearm. Part of the reason I got it there was because, well, if I'm wearing short sleeves and you're somebody who doesn't like it, then I got that out of the way right away. Right. A hundred percent. But it's, it's one of those things too. It's like, I am open about it because I'd kind of like to represent the culture in a way and show people that it's not all about just, you know, getting stoned and being lazy and, you know, whatever the stigma might be in their mind. I, I like to show them that, you know, I'm a clear headed person. I work hard. I'm a functioning member of society. You know, this is, this is just another way to go through life. And if you can't accept it, that's totally fine, man. We live in America. We're free. We get to do what mm -hmm. we want to do. Right. So if, if you don't agree with it, that's cool. No worries. When you think about the future of the program here in Utah and beyond, like, what do you want? Do you feel like we need to expand the program? Do you feel like it's going pretty well? Um, yeah, I, you know, it's really tough because this is one of those things where I, I'm an employee of a company 
And, you know, there's a reason why I settled with standard wellness because I do agree wholeheartedly with what we're doing out there. But there are a lot of things that I would love to see changed, but that definitely comes down to legislation and working through that. That's a long process. But my personal views, this has nothing to do with standard wellness, but my personal views on the plant are that this is the people's plant. Everybody should be able to do whatever they want with this plant. They should be able to cultivate it, you know, use it in any way they want, because looking at this medical program, there's a lot of avenues that it's missing. You know, people like leaf tea, you know, that's a product mm-hmm. that we don't bring to the, to the table. There's, there's so many things missing um, from the board that, you know, a, a recreational outlook would would kind of encompass where a medical right. wouldn't. I mean, I'm I love the medical program. It mm-hmm. definitely has a place. I think that it the whole calculated outlook uh, and approach to this plant is awesome. I want to see the research done, and people need very specific medicine. And I love seeing you know companies really try to tailor that and take care of very specific conditions um, and diseases. So, you know, I I love the fact that there's a medical program, but I am 100% on board for this plant being available to everybody. I think that's the way that it should be, if you ask me. Sure. I mean, it's, it's going to take all of us, right? Yeah, to figure out To figure out how to move forward because a hundred years ago, we, we basically just screwed this whole thing up. Yep. Yeah, it, it takes it takes people, a lot of people, and it takes a lot of loud voices. But, you know, with especially being in a state like Utah, I think there's a lot of people who are more worried about how they will be perceived from the outside. If you ask me, man, I know a lot of people that use this plant that would rather people not know that they use this plant, right? Like yeah, kind of secret users. So. There's a yeah. lot of supporters, you know, I really feel like these numbers are vast, but what shows up on paper does not translate right. to the, our, our patient count and, you know, how the, how big this program is in Utah. It just doesn't show the actual support that is behind this plan. Right. You're saying that you think there's a lot of people with or without cards who aren't buying product on the legal market still using the black market or buying it out of state. Yeah. Which is essentially the black market here, right? The secondary, I don't know what you would call it. Like there's the, there's the guy down the street you can buy it from. There's the, you know, go to Nevada, you can buy it, go to Colorado. I don't know what you consider. I guess that's all black market in a way, but it's all this, maybe the secondary market. I don't know what they call it. I mean, it, that, but, yeah, that's, that's exactly right? it. It's, so it's people who are not buying it in state with the, in the legal means. Right. I agree. I wish that we knew how many people there were like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's because, yeah, that patient count is low, very, very low. What is it? Something like 30,000 or. Yeah, it's 35, 37,000 right now. Yeah. You know, and they're losing, you know, the state is losing about 23%. So a little more than one in five people are not renewing their card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, man. Eh, that's a lot. That's a lot of people that either can't, can't afford it, can't navigate it various reasons why they're they're dropping out of the program maybe they're just they're like yeah no this isn't worth it i want to buy stuff on the other market but that seems to be i don't know you're not you're we're never going to get it changed all the way unless we participate 
It's a participatory right. democracy. Yep. Right? Like, you've got to be involved or else things don't change in this country. 100%. Yeah. If you don't make your voice heard, then, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? That's, right? that's the whole saying. So, yeah, we got to we gotta march. <laughs> we got to do it, man. We got to make it happen for ourselves. They're not just going to give it to us. How do you make the... Uh, this now I'm circling back to how you grow this stuff. You put all this, you put all this weird shells and th- this organic material into the soil, and then you water it with special water. So yeah, when you get your you get your big mix, and then what I like to do is I'll I'll add a fungus, uh, a mycorrhiza, and you'll let that sit for a period of time to let it inoculate. So that, uh, that fungus goes to work and it starts eating its food. You know, it's, it's, uh, what they call developing a rhizosphere in your, in your medium. Um, and then you'll put your plant in there and its root system actually works symbiotically with this mycorrhiza. Um, and the mycorrhiza will eat the raw material in the soil that surrounds the roots and the plant will trade what's called exudates with the mycorrhiza for nutrients and um it's a little symbiotic relationship the mycorrhiza definitely has doesn't have to be there all that stuff will just happen naturally but it it happens a lot smoother a lot faster with the fungus so it's kind of like a little mini ecosystem that you're building right it eats the it eats something it poops out fertilizer essentially Mm -hmm. right with the exudates and then the plant eats that yep and exactly thrives yep How'd you, how'd you figure this all out? Did somebody teach you or did you read the book or like? Both, both. I've had really cool mentors in my life. Um, not just cannabis specific, but just, you know, kind of all encompassing gardening and horticulture in general. But yeah, there's a lot of books that I've dove deep into the cannabis Bible being one of them, you know, many, many books that I just nerd out on highlights, just, you know, gotten tabs all through it so it's it's a lot of self-taught mostly self-taught as far as cannabis goes but yeah it's it's something that you grow with and that's why i love this um industry so much is because you're never you're never fully capped out you're always learning something there's always something new are you um what i mean where does riley meyer go from here right you're gonna keep growing this looks like a pretty like a longer term project for Mm -hmm. you or you know what do you want to do you know, that's another tough question. I I uh I have my views with this plant that aren't shared by everybody. And you know, I'm always going to be pushing to deliver the highest possible quality plant or flower, so to speak, to the patient. And that doesn't always mean that it's, you know, some 30% THC or just something that gets you super stoned. I I would really like to get a one-to-one flower on the market or a really awesome CBG strain or start finding some CBN strains and really dialing in that flower for more medicinally specific purposes. But I, you know, I'm all for that super high TAC stuff. It, It all has its place for sure. But what I would really like to be involved in is a more specific approach to the patient and what i really love is how i'm not sure if they do it anymore i'm not really up to date with california's laws and legislation but 
Last I heard, they had caregivers out there. And I think it's really cool how connected the grower is to his buyers. And, mm. you know, if there's something that they really Farmer's connect market, with, right? Yeah, that whole approach. That whole approach. Yeah, that kind of local approach versus the eight growers who can grow everything and then everything gets processed. And, right. and you're kind of, even though you're not limited to, to cultivars or strains, as we call them, and because they're going to grow a nice variety, you still are limited to eight Right. Like eight producers, yeah. not not the guy down the road who is your friend or you really care about, you you like his product, you know he cares about the plant. Going back to that spirituality thing, right? That connection to the earth with our community. Yes, sir. You don't you still don't get that with Utah's program. Right. That's that's definitely the big one for me, is that it's just not opened up. I feel like, you know, I'm with standard for a reason. I feel like they do have that approach, but then again, it's a business man. And yeah, I mean, they got to, they got to recoup their investment and it's a big cost. Right. And they, you know, that the overhead that comes with that is, is real. Whereas you have a local farmer, you know, that has his plot of land that's working his soil. He's been working it for years. He's got his process. That's going to attract a certain group of people to want to be involved with him specifically, because in this industry, quality is always going to rise to the top. It's always going to, you know, make a name for itself. And that's something that I think needs to be made available here. It needs to be opened up. There needs to be more options. I think that the companies here are doing a good job staying afloat. We could always do better for sure, but. I, I really do. I wish there was more options, more availability. Yeah. I'm not torn about that, but it makes you think like, how do you get from here to there? And it really is in Utah. That That's a long road. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's definitely no talk about opening anything up like that. Right. Not in this session, probably not for a few sessions. Got to have some movement at the federal level before stuff like that happens. Yes. Yep. Some states probably doing better than others. But like you say, I mean, here we live in Utah and they have a good, we have a really, we do have a good medical program from the medical side uh, compared to a lot of other states. For sure. Yeah. Come on, you go to Texas and you can't hardly get access at all. North Carolina, if they pass that medical bill, boy, that's going to be a very, very limited, you know, access. You've got to be basically on your deathbed. Yeah. Yeah. In order to get access. And at least here, that's not the case. That's, that's another thing that's really cool about Utah is at least they're giving us the chance, man. At least they're making it available. They're, they're taking that leap of faith and, and handing it over. And, and I really respect that. Um, but yeah, I do think that to really use this plant to its full potential, you got to turn it over to the people. I mean, there's a reason why it went a hundred years through prohibition. You know, there's a reason why that culture has stayed intact the whole time. The people Mm -hmm. love this plant and they pushed it through all that BS and they've, you know, made their voices heard. And that's, that's the reason why it's here today. So sure. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do for fun, Riley? Oh man, um, uh, a lot, a lot of stuff. I got too many. Because hobbies. in the winter, you ain't got <laughs> shit to do now. Oh uh, no, yeah, yeah. You got to. I mean, I'm sure you got to get ready for next year, and you got a lot of, uh, you know, whatever that whatever's going on in the in, in the indoor. Right. Yeah. But, no. Yeah. I, I mean, you got plans for winter? Anything 100%. fun planned? Yeah, I got me a little uh, past the PC. 
going to be using that epic pass this year i've I'm been snowboarding since i was eight years old so that's a big you know winter hobby for me and and that's kind of always been my uh, another thing that coincided with being a cultivator was especially outdoor is that you know you work all summer you know you get your check at the end of the season and then you go play and that's that's my that's my whole thing man i love the snow and what a place for it you know utah it's awesome it's gonna tie you here for a long time yeah oh yeah i hope so i love this state it's like there's nowhere to go. I ski too, and I, you know, I've I grew up here, and I I've skied all my life, just like you. And people always ask me, "Oh, where have you been? Where have you been?" And I'm 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 always like, "Well, where where should I go? <laughs> yeah, where do I have to go? <laughs> where where do I have this? to go? I don't know. I go 45 minutes up the right. road, you know, and I'm there. Exactly. I'm where everybody wants to go. Greatest snow um, on earth, man. Yeah. I, have you ever skied out of town? Um, you know. I I don't think I have. I like you said. I, I hadn't for till I was older. I was like my mid thirties before I even went to Sun Valley. Yeah. Um, oh no, I went on my honeymoon to Sun Valley and we skied a couple of days. That was twenty one years ago, and then. Uh, but I've never been to Tahoe. Yeah, and I, I mean, we've I've skied my whole life. I've never been to Tahoe, but I didn't. I don't, never feel like it's worth the money to leave here. Right. Right. No, I've I've heard a, a lot about a lot of really cool resorts. I mean, on my pass is Whistler, and I'm just looking at that every day. Like, oh, I gotta make the trip up there. Yeah, man. Gotta I gotta go to trip. BC. But yeah, one of these days, I I haven't yet though. It's definitely on the list. Targhee is another place to go because that place is fire. Yes, sir. It was that's what so I hear. awesome last year. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, and that's it's awesome. not that far. Yeah, it's not too bad, right? And it's even not Tahoe's not that bad. I mean, California or yeah, you Nevada is there. right there. Yeah, yeah, you got bad. the time. I got the time, man. I got a couple of months here. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, if you could grow any strain you wanted, what would you grow? I would do my own breeding, man. I, I'd take a couple of strains and I would try to make some some crazy concoction. But uh, right now, you know, with what's out there. I really like the stuff that's coming from Soul Rebel. Shout out to Soul Rebel. He's got a lot of really cool sativas coming down. But uh, yeah, my number one strain I'd say is the good old Jack Herrera. I'm a I'm a big sativa guy, and and in in the flower world, I think people kind of look at you as a weirdo if you like sativa. But uh, yeah, I'm a big yeah. sativa guy. I just like the terpene profile off that Jack Herrera. It's so distinct. It's it catches my nose anywhere. Like if somebody. If somebody shows me a bag of Jack Herrera, I'll, I'll be able to tell you if it's the real deal or not just by that smell. Oh, that is sweet. Okay. I may, so I have goals now to be as good as you at <laughs> recognizing like one strain. Okay. Just, yep. I'm going to get one strain. I'm going to learn how to recognize it, whether it's good or bad. You got to find that one, you know, you got to find that special one and stick with it. So when standard comes out, when do they, when does all this stuff come? Is it available now? Um, no, so we are we just got done um, clipping it into our totes. It's in the curing process right now. We're doing the finishing touches on our, our trim up, but we should be seeing that outdoor flower hit stores within the next few weeks. But that's another thing. The state, you know, we have to go through the state. They take their portion. Yeah, they they you take know. their cut. No, <laughs> they take their testing cut. Yeah, exactly. They they take their time is what they do. Uh, they do no no time. dig, but they take their time. 
but yeah, it's it's really dependent uh, on the state. We we got an awesome team killing it right now. We should be done, you know, within the next few weeks, packaged up and ready to send off. So, okay, I'll uh, I'm this episode will probably come out the week all that stuff comes out, and uh, so hopefully that's the case. Okay, it'll come out within a couple of weeks, front or back of this uh, this episode for sure. Sweet. Is there anything else you want to talk about? You you want to mention anything burning on your chest? You just got to get off your chest. Uh, I I would like to say for uh, anybody out there that their passion is growing cannabis, just just stay down, man. Just uh, do anything that you can to get your foot in the door. Reach out. Cause that was me, you know, uh, not, you know, a handful of years ago, that was me. I was just itching to get into this industry and it was so daunting because there's people with huge reputations that get pulled from out of state and you gotta be this master grower to just even get a look, but really, you know, a pebble at a time, just, just take a step at a time stay down. Don't get discouraged because I know there's a lot of y'all out there who really want to be involved with this plant. And, uh, yeah, just don't quit. Don't give up. That's it. Well, that's good. You've heard it from Riley Meyer, who is the local kid who became a cultivator here in Utah for medical marijuana. Yes, sir. It's a, yeah, pretty cool story, man. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, Appreciate I'm it. happy you're growing you're growing this stuff for us. And I look forward to giving some a try, frankly. Yes, sir. Yeah, go All look right. for it. Standard wellness. All right, everybody, stay safe out there. <laughs>